Good morning, friends. Are you excited to be at church today? We are so glad that you have joined us today. We are so glad that we are this community, and I would like to extend special welcome and special thank you to our online community. Thank you for joining us. So one thing that I would like us to remember and I would like all us to always think about is the fact that you are, you have chosen the best place that you could be today. Why the best place? Because your life, your presence here is the greatest blessing for this community. In fact, whenever Apostle Paul would visit the church, whenever he would come back to the Unfortunately, it usually was the prison. After he would visit another church, they would always put him in prison. And then out of prison, he would write a letter. And whenever he would write a letter, he would always remind the community about something extremely important. This is what he would say. And I quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Don't you know that you are the temple of God? And God's Spirit is in your midst. And you are God's temple. You together are God's temple. So I would like us, as the community that read the, gospel, read the letter of Paul, I would like all of us to respond to this question with a statement. Let's read this statement together. We together are God's temple, and God's Spirit is in our midst. Wow. We are God's temple, because the Spirit is in our midst. Let's pray. Father of all people and of all nations, we learn to align our minds and our hearts with your mind and with your heart. We learn to live your healing values every, in every word we say and in every step we make. That is why we ask you to transform our minds, to, transform, to renew our bodies, and to restore our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Some of you had hoped that this would be the end of the sermon. <laughs> but let me stay with you for just a few more minutes, if you don't mind. So uh, last week, Pastor Matt took us on a beautiful journey, and we worked together through four stories, four testimonies. And he emphasized how important the testimony is, because your story, your testimony is very needed not only in you, for you in your life, Tony, but your story is very important for the community around you. Carolyn, that is exactly right. Your baptism, that's why we rejoice. When you are baptized, we all rejoice, don't we? Because your story matters to us. So that is one. But today, I would like us to continue moving forward, and we will dive into one of the most incredible stories about one of the most enigmatic characters in the entire Bible, at least in the Gospel of, I will not tell you which one. So, in fact, this story and this character was so in incredibly important that Ellen White, one of the founders of Seventh-day Adventist Church, in one of her probably the best books, Desire of Ages, 
This is what she wrote about this character and the interaction with Jesus. So I want us to see it. In the interview with this person, Jesus unfolded the plan of salvation and his mission to the world. In none of his subsequent messages or discourses did Jesus explain so fully, step by step, what is needed, the work that is necessary to be done in the hearts of all who would inherit the kingdom of heaven. Do you know who is she talking about? Would you like to find out? Somebody probably know. Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Nicodemus is mentioned in the Bible only three times. And all three times he is mentioned in the Gospel of John. So let's go to John chapter 3. And yes, you guessed it right. John chapter 3.16 is the message that is directed towards Nicodemus, for God so loved the world. So that's why this message is very important. So we are on page 751, and if you don't have your uh, phone or Bible, let's go to, let's go to John chapter 3. Now, John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named, what was his name? Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And now, he came to Jesus when? At night. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? You see, Jesus does not waste any time. Jesus goes straight to the core. When Nicodemus starts praising God, Jesus says straight in, talks straight into his heart. Why? Why? Because you see, Jesus does not need our praise. Just as God does not need our sacrifices. If they, sacrifices and praises, do not evoke transformation of our lives. Jesus does not need our praise, just as God does not need our sacrifices, if there is no transformation of the life. So Nicodemus scratches his head. Okay, so you just mentioned that in, if I want to inherit, if I want to see the kingdom of God, I need to be born again. Again, Nicodemus continues. Let's move to verse 4. How can someone be born when they are old? I'm 30 years old. This is what Nicodemus probably was. His age was maybe 30, 35. So he's like, I'm an old man. How can I enter my, my mother's womb? I'm an old man. And then Jesus continues. Verse 5. Truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of what? And the Spirit. How can this be? In verse 9 we read. Let's go to verse 9. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You see, Jesus reveals his truth slowly, step by step. Listen carefully. Jesus reveals his truth slowly, step by step, and he builds the knowledge up gently, revealing more and more. 
if we allow our curiosity and desire to blossom. And that, that is why we, we talk about um, what is called progressive understanding of truth. The truth is one, Jesus. But our understanding of truth is enhanced day after day. And if it doesn't, that is why, honestly speaking, our children understand or will understand Jesus better. Because from generation to generation, as the scripture says, out of the mouth of the young one will, sh what will be what? They will be prophesying. They will be the one who will be proclaiming. So be attentive. Allow yourself to always be, discover and rediscover something. Let's move on. Back to Nicodemus and Jesus. Jesus just said that to be born again, here is, a, here is basically what he says. First, you need to be born again. Then Nicodemus stretches his head. How can this happen? Then Jesus leads him into more understanding. And then he says what? In order for you to be born again, you need to be born of water and of the Spirit, just as Carolyn, Jada, and Valerie did. But this is not the end. It's just the beginning. Born of water and the Spirit. And then Jesus continues. Let's go to verse 14. Let's go to verse 14. We are in chapter 3, verse 14. This becomes even more dramatic. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. So, do you see? Jesus continues this revelation. You need to be born again. How can an old man enter his mother's womb? How can this be? You need to be born of water and the Spirit. But even that doesn't make a lot of sense. What does it mean? Then Jesus says, let me tell you something very important. This can happen when the Son of Man is lifted up. Son of Man lifted up? We don't hear anything about Nicodemus from that time on. The next time when we see Nicodemus, we see him actually in John chapter 7. So let's turn two pages and let's go to John chapter 7. We are in John chapter 7. Now, this is very important. The first story when we read in John chapter 3, it was the story that happened during the time of the Passover. During the time of the Passover. Nicodemus came to Jesus and when Jesus just entered Jerusalem, in John chapter 3, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the first thing, the very first thing that Jesus did when he entered Jerusalem, he went straight into the temple. And what did he do in the temple? He cleansed the temple. In John chapter 3, he cleanses the temple. And when that happened, that was something very dramatic. Because Jesus actually attacked the temple system. So immediately the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests, they wanted to plot and do something with Jesus. They wanted to arrest him. That's why Nicodemus has this conversation at night. And now we see Nicodemus appearing again in John chapter 7. Look what is happening in John chapter 7. So that was the time of what festival? Tell me, what festival was it? It was the festival of the Passover. The Passover was one of three most important festivals in Jewish calendar. 
Passover, Pentecostal, Pentecost, and Pentecost, and the last one is the Tabernacles, the Feast of the Tabernacles, three main festivals. And during all those three festivals, they were connected with the temple. The people from all over had to go to Jerusalem. So now in John chapter 7, we see Jesus again in Jerusalem. Now, the feast that is happening here in John chapter 7 is the Feast of the Tabernacles. And it's a very fun festival. Why it is fun? Because it's a camping trip. Who doesn't like camping trips? Camping. Some people don't. And I see that. There's no reaction. What is happening with this church? You are God's temple and the spirit needs to be there. Where is the spirit? Who, the, who likes to camp? Okay, some people do like to camp. I see. But not, not many. Okay, we need to take you once on a camping trip. You will enjoy it. So this is what we see. It's a, it's a campsite because everybody will live in tabernacles and it, they will see the stars. It's just a joyous event. Oh, people from all over Israel would come to this main city. This town will be overflown. Now, the most important element of that festival was when the priest would go to the pool of Bethesda, get a pitcher, draw some water from that pool, and then the priest would start walking to the temple again. So the priest is walking to the temple with the pitcher, and everybody follows this procession. What an incredible sight. Kids are rejoicing. Everybody is laughing. Everybody is rejoicing because if the, the priest would pour that water onto the altar. And right in the middle of all of this, let's go to verse 37. Chapter 7, verse 37. Look what is happening. Chapter, chapter 7, verse 37. In the middle of all of this, we see Jesus standing on the side and shouting with a loud voice. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow out of their lives. And then the following verse, and the following verse will tell you that he talked about the Spirit, but the Spirit was not given yet because the Son of Man has not been glorified yet. Do you see this? Now, think about it for a second. Think about Jerusalem, the priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. Here is this young rabbi again. He's in his 30s, not so young, but still the 30s. So he, he, what is he doing? He's attacking our temple system again. All three groups, they want to arrest Jesus and stop him. And right in the middle of this, we see Nicodemus again. Let's go to verse 50 and 51. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier by night and who was one of their own number, asked, Can I ask you a question? Can I? Nicodemus thought, because according to our policies and procedures, let me refer to something that will be safer. We need, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him or them to find out what he or they are doing? In John chapter 3, 
Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. In John chapter 7, Nicodemus steps into the sun rays. You see, the more we step out from darkness, from the night into the light, the more we realize that we cannot live with indifference and apathy. To step out from darkness means to start realizing and walking towards the light with purpose and intensity. True intensity, knowing that consequences will inevitably follow. It means to stand on the side of life and justice. And consequences followed immediately. Look what we read in verse 52. We are in John chapter 7, verse 52. And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Now, that was it. But it is still not the end. The last and final story that we read about Nicodemus again is in John chapter 19. So let's turn to John chapter 19. And I hope you're not falling asleep yet. And I hope you're not as hungry as some, uh, some people are. Okay, so John chapter 19. Okay, let's go to John chapter 19. So here again, we see now Jesus, Jesus, but now Jesus is no longer does anything. What is happening with Jesus? He's on the cross. He's on the cross. And here we see Nicodemus again. Let's go to verse 39. Joseph of Arimathea was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. John again points back to that night experience. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe about how many pounds? How many pounds? 75 pounds. And gently taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. From the night in John chapter 3, out of this darkness and night in John chapter 7, into the light in John chapter 19. Where do you want to be? In the night, out from the night. But do we really want to step into the light? This is something that may be very uncomfortable. This action of Nicodemus is jaw-dropping. And let us see how. What day did Jesus die on? Help me. I need your participation. I teach at Edmund Health University. So I'm, I'm a professor, so I need your participation. So what, what day did Jesus die on? Friday. Absolutely. Now, what festival was it when Jesus, when Jesus died? It was the, the Passover. Remember John chapter 3? What festival was it? The Passover. John chapter 7, it was the festival of the tabernacles. And John chapter 19, there is another what? The Passover. So now, in order for you to eat the Passover, you needed to be ritually clean. If you are unclean, no chance for you to eat the Passover lamb and no chance for you to enter the temple. 
And if you really wanted to eat the Passover lamb, and if you needed to, uh, to uh, enter the temple, there, was, there had to be a quora of at least 10 people, males. 10 males. It was called minyan. So 10 males were supposed to be there in order to participate in this meal. Think about it for a second. Here is the group of at least 10 men. In some sources, it's 30 men. It's 10 men. Nine of them are asking the question, wait a second, we cannot eat the Passover yet. Why? Nicodemus is not with us. We don't have a quora. Where is Nicodemus? Oh, I saw him buying 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. Why does he need 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe? Because this is exactly how much we need to bury a king. No way. Did our king die? No way. Oh, no. Our king is still there. He is with Joseph of Arimathea. And they went to bury Jesus. The one we just crucified? He chose to be with Jesus and not to eat the Passover? Not to enjoy the temple experience? No place for Nicodemus in our midst. But for Nicodemus, it was the best experience of his life. You see, the death of Jesus on the cross was so dramatic, so shameful, and so horrifying that even those who followed Jesus day and night were gone, with the exception of just one or two. And here we see Nicodemus stepping out from the night into some light and then even more into the light because he fully realized what it means to be born again, born of water and of the Spirit. Where? By the cross. Wow. We are God's temple, and the Spirit of God is in our midst forever, because He died on the cross. Just as in the Garden of Eden, God knelt down to breathe in the breath of life into Adam when he created him. And you can read about it in Genesis chapter 2. In the same way, Jesus, when he was breathing out his lust, it was the breath of life for humanity. So, here is the question. In our life, we have so many distractions. For some of us, it's the past that haunts us, haunts us hard. 
and it hurts the past. For some of us, it is the destruction of the future because that is why we have sleepless nights. What will happen to me? What will happen to my job? What will happen to my future? What will happen to me in the presence of God? For some of us, it could be their opinion. What will they think about me if I even say that? What, let alone do it? For some of us, it could be ourselves. I myself could be the worst distraction. And that is why Nicodemus recognized and realized that when you are by the cross, looking at the Messiah who is on the cross, then the distractions grow strangely dim and disappear. Because you need to have a lot of faith to trust the one who is dying or dead. But then, of course, we believe in resurrection. So today, we can lose the power of the cross, unfortunately. Because it became a cliche, a trite Christian expression, didn't it? The cross. The cross. People constantly talk about it. But let us experience the power of the cross as we truly and fully come to the cross. And let me tell you, often we do not want to come to the cross. And I don't. Why? Because I know that if I come to the cross, my priorities will inevitably change. But I need to fulfill my duty, my, my responsibilities. So, how do we walk together to the cross? Here's the main question. How can we do it together as the community? Because we want to experience it. So here is the QR code. You see this QR code? You can pick up your phone and you can take a picture of this and uh, hover over the... Uh, some people do... Just, a one, just one person, two people, okay, this is good. So a little more, pick up your phones at church if you would like to. What I would like us to do, I would like us to read the Gospel of John over the next 10 days. Let's read the Gospel of John. This is just one simple step. Let's read the Gospel of John over the next 10 days. I promise it will not take you more than 10, 15 minutes to read two chapters. And then we, we will have covered ten, all, all the, the entire Gospel of John in 10 days. Let's do it. Thank you very much. At least two people said yes. Would you like it? Let's do it. Community, let's do it. Let's come to the cross. One simple step. Let's just read the Gospel of John over the next 10, 10 days. Let's do it. Yes. We will read the Gospel of John in 10 days. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Let me, uh, let me conclude my message with this final illustration, illustration. The picture that you see right here on screen is entitled The Way of Life. And James White published this picture in, 19, in 1874. He advertised it as allegorical picture showing the way of life and salvation through, from paradise lost to paradise restored. Two years later, he published another picture. You see, something is gone. What is, the, what is gone? The eye, of course, yeah, because, because the eye raises more questions that gives more answers. So the eye is gone, but what is the central on this uh, picture? It still is hard to define whether it's Jesus or whether it's the tree with the commandments. Then in 1976, James White writes a letter to uh, 18, 1880 now. In 1880, 1880, James White writes a letter to Ellen, his wife. And this is what he writes. He says, I have another sketch, not this one. I have another sketch of the new picture. 
Behold the Lamb of God. This differs from the way of life. The Lord tree is removed. Christ on the cross is made larger and placed in the center. And I plan to entitle it, Jesus Christ is the way of life from paradise lost to paradise restored. James White died on August 6, 1881. He didn't finish this sketch. Ellen White, with her sons, she finished this sketch. And this is the picture that we see now. What is it? What is it that brings you to the cross? Now, so why does the cross matter so much? You see, it is because of the cross that we together are God's temple and the presence of God is in our midst today and forever. It is because of the cross that we can breathe in the Spirit, breathe in the life, because only then and only then the rivers of living water will flow from our minds, from our hearts, from our mouths, from our hands, and from our feet. And the world will be healed by the power of the kingdom of the one who is lifted up on the cross. So in this response, let us sing together. Oh. Uh -huh. 
Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, we feel your presence in a powerful way. We are your temple, and we want to carry your spirit in our hearts and in our midst every day of our lives. We want to recommit our lives, our minds, our children, our job, our work, everything we do, every step we make to you just as Carolyn, Jada, and Valerie did. We want to recommit our lives to you because we want to be by the cross and we want to breathe in your spirit daily. And that is why we will read the Gospel of John over the next 10 days and we'll see what happens with our lives. In your name we pray, amen.